Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Bollocks. Yes, it is Talking Bollocks. It is back. I am back. We are back. You are back. Podcast is back. Talking Bollocks. I am. I am Bollocks Talking. Welcome. I am your host, Howard H. Smith. You may know me as lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain. I am also a stand-up comedian performing as Keith Platt, the character Keith Platt, anywhere near you. Um, KeithPlatt.co.uk. Does anybody use websites anymore? Also, you can find Acid Rain on all social media. You can find um, Talking Bollocks, this podcast, on all social media. And also Old Bollocks. That is a monthly podcast done with myself and Stephen Oldhead Ivy. Keep an eye out for that. They drop into your inbox. Well, your inbox, your, your, your device box, your pod player box, whatever. They're going to be dropping in occasionally, but always once a month. Don't you worry about that. Also, the Reducer podcast that I do with two friends who are both ex-stand-ups and comedy writers. So, um, yeah, there'll be links. There'll be links in the description. So hit those links and um, listen up if you want. So, welcome. It's nice to be here. It's nice to have you here. What has been going on since the last time we spoke? Well... Um, I played with Acid Rain. We played the main stage at Bloodstock Festival in front of a huge crowd, about 15,000, 16,000 people. Oh, my God, yeah. It was awesome. Thought that might never happen when we were in lockdown. So that was extremely, extremely cool to do. And I just thought I'd mention it. Don't worry, I'm not going to bore you with anything else further. Let's get straight into the news. And the question is, what has been happening in the world of metal since last we spoke. Well, of course, the major story, major story in the world of metal, rock, whatever you want to call it, is, of course, the passing of, sadly, um, original trouble singer Eric Wagner. That's correct. That's correct. Um, a big trouble fan from back in the day. Um, just uh, one, their, their first album was something that I, like, I hunted down on CD. I ended up, I found it in a record shop in Germany on tour with Nuclear Assault in 1989. Hello, how old am I? And um, Trouble, for me, have always been one of the, one of the unsung heroes of the metal scene. Um, They were unfairly labelled, you know, Sabbath clones and... They kind of got drawn into the Doom scene. I never saw them as Doom. That doesn't mean they weren't. But, you know, they, I always thought there was, you know, I always thought there was more to them than that. But they were they were a really great band. And, um, and I, I mean, I was just reading here. Um, he was one of the guest singers on Dave Grohl's um, uh, side project, Probot, that he did in 2004. And that gives you an idea of his standing in the community because uh, Dave Grohl's no fool. Um, and you know, like him or loathe him, he, he's not an idiot, and you know he knows he knows who iconic people are in the scene, and also how good he sounded, how good he sounded. I mean, what a voice, what a voice! Check out some old Trouble if you can find some. Um, well, it's all over YouTube. God, you know, if you can find some, it's not difficult to find music, is it really? Um, but yeah, sad, sad news that about Eric Wagner. Um, uh, oh, and also uh, Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones died as well. Um, 
I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist that. Yeah, turns out now we know when I was commenting on the uh, on the news in the last podcast going on about, oh, bloody hell, Charlie Watts isn't going to be touring with him. Oh, bloody, who cares, who cares? And then he dies and I feel like a complete twat, but I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Not a fan of the Rolling Stones. Um, and uh, Charlie Watts has looked very ill for about the last 20 years. Um, and, you know, 80, he died at eight. I mean, the, the, you know, it's it's all I'm saying is, all I'm saying is it's not exactly a life unful- unfulfilled or, um, uh, you know, it's somebody who's been taken too early. All right. I mean, Eric Wagner was um, was 53. That's all I'm saying. But no, I mean, look, 80 years old is good innings. I mean, it's seven years longer than my dad who didn't drink and didn't smoke. So, you know, Charlie had a good old innings and um, and made the most of his life. And all you Rolling Stones fans out there, I uh, I feel for you. And obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not making a comedy act out of Charlie Watts dying. Um, I'm just saying that at 80, it's, um, you know, it, it's it's probably not unlikely that, well, but it's, what, I'm, what am I saying? I'm saying, fuck me, if I make 80, I'll be very happy. But hey, I'm sure that doesn't make it any easier for Charlie Watts' family. Um, next up, the kind of story that we are getting way too much of on uh, Blabbermouth, right? The headline is, David Lee Roth fires back at Gene Simmons. And I thought, hmm, now this is an article I've got to read. Now, I'm going to read you the whole article, okay? Strap yourself in. David Lee Roth has fired back at Gene Simmons over the Kiss bassist vocalist's recent comment about the Van Halen frontman. Roth performed his opening act for the February-slash-March 2020 North American leg of Kiss's farewell tour, but is not making any appearances on the rescheduled Kiss shows, which kicked off on August the 18th in Mansfield, Massachusetts. Asked in an interview with Rolling Stone about Roth's absence from the End of the World tour, Simmons said... It bears noting that during Dave's heyday, nobody did what he did. He was the ultimate frontman, not Robert Plant, not Rod Stewart, nobody. He took it being a frontman way beyond anything. And then, I don't know what happened to him. Something. And you get modern day Dave. I prefer to remember Elvis Presley in his prime. Sneering lips, back in Memphis, you know, doing all that. I don't want to think of a bloated, bloated naked Elvis on the bathroom floor. Earlier today... Roth shared a black and white photo of a little child wearing sunglasses, sticking his tongue out with his middle finger extended, and he superimposed the text, Roth to Simmons. In a January 2020 interview with Eric Blair of Blaring Out with Blair, Paul Stanley was asked about the best parts of Roth. That's right, OK, I'm not going to read anymore because that, that's the story. Right? That's it, right? At that point, you know what, you, you know what it's like. Blabbermouth, do a story. And then they put loads of quotes from like ages ago that aren't relevant to the story. But that's the story. The headline, David Lee Roth fires back at Gene Simmons. And it quotes all um, Gene Simmons's um, uh, interview and all the things he said. Sorry, I'm going to pause because I'm going to cough and it's not good. That'll teach me to do this just after I've eaten. Anyway, um, yeah, basically, Gene says all that stuff. And the David Lee Roth fires back at Gene Simmons bit is earlier today, he shared a picture on Instagram. That's it. No quotes. Nothing more. No, no, no in-depth. No David Lee Roth um, having a go back. The title, David Lee Roth fires back at Gene Simmons. And the entirety of his firing back is this paragraph. Earlier today, Roth shared a black and white photo of a little child wearing sunglasses and sticking his tongue out with his middle finger extended and he superimposed the text, Roth to Simmons. 
That's fucking it. That is your story. That is fucking... It's not even two and a half lines of text. It's not even two and a half sentences. It's just fucking what? That apparently is news. I mean, it's just utter bollocks. And then down the bottom, down the bottom of the uh, of the article, there's the picture from Instagram. Fucking hell, blabbermouth! Sort your fucking lives out. Are we really that? Are we really that thin on the ground for news these days? Is that what we've got? To, is that what it's been reduced to? I'm. I've said all this before, haven't I? I really have. I'm repeating myself. Let's move on because this next story is well worth paying some attention to. The baby on Nirvana's Nevermind cover sues band for child pornography. If you haven't seen this story, you might think I'm taking the piss. And you might wonder if you heard me correctly. So I'll read that again. Baby on Nirvana's... Sorry, Nirvana. Baby on Nirvana's Nevermind cover sues band for child pornography. Firstly, before I even read a word of it, the thoughts going through my head is... Mm, I would imagine your parents were asked. I would imagine your parents were paid as well. So shouldn't you be suing your parents or questioning their judgment? Well, anyway, let's continue. The surviving members of Nirvana, as well as the estate of Kurt Cobain, have been sued by Spencer Eldon. That's his name. The man who claims he was the baby featured on the cover ba- on the cover of the band's Nevermind album. I mean, I, I guess he is. You wouldn't kind of make that claim, would you? That's me. That's my tiny cock. That's me. I'm that tiny little fat baby chasing after money with my tiny penis, using it as a rudder. That's me. In the complaint filed in Los Angeles Federal Court, uh, he also names the photographer. Kirk Weddle and various companies behind the album's release. If there was ever an attempt to just squeeze fucking money out of people without any fucking reason, this is it. Um, They identify the legal name of Forever Tied to the commercial sexual exploitation he experienced as a minor, which has been distributed and sold worldwide from the time he was a baby to the present day. I would imagine he looks slightly different these days, if I'm honest. Um, I would imagine that if you bumped into him in the street, you wouldn't go, uh, hang on, you you look a bit familiar. Don't, hang on, hang on. Oh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. Uh, no, it's on the tip of my... Hang on a minute. Aren't you the baby off the, ne- off the, off the Nirvana Nevermind cover? Hey, you fucking dick. I mean, no, uh, this is just frivolous beyond belief. According to the suit, the defendant, the defendants knowingly produced, possessed and advertised commercial child pornography. By the way, this album is still available in all good record shops and has been for over 20 years. Right. Actually, 30 years. So they can use the phrase child pornography as much as they like. But there wouldn't appear to be a single country in the world that agrees with them or has prevented this artwork from circulating within retail for 30 years. So it's not fucking pornography then, is it? Never mind child pornography. Fucking dicks. Anyway, uh, it depicts expense that they knowingly uh, received value in exchange for doing so. Despite this knowledge, defendants failed to take reasonable steps to protect Spencer and prevent his widespread sexual exploitation and image trafficking. Fuck you! Jesus Christ! Honestly, this makes it sound like this this baby was snatched from the parents. 
They drove off, throw it into, threw it into a swimming pool, saw if it could swim. Oh, sorry, ripped his, ripped his nappy off or whatever, threw him in the pool. There was, there was a photographer in the pool. They took a few pictures. Then they, got the, then they got the kid, put some clothes on him again, drove him back to the parents, fucking pushed him out the car without even stopping as, it boun- and he, as he bounced towards his parents' feet and went, <laughs> and the parents went, oh, my God, where has our son been? Has he been exploited for sexual pornography by some people making an album? I don't know. Oh, dear mama, what's going to happen? Well, no, I don't think that happened. But I will get to what happened. Please, this is fucking ridiculous. He claims that his parents never signed a release authorising the use of the photos, which were taken in a Pasadena aquatic centre in 1990. Yes, and of course, they never mentioned it and never tried to get any money for it ever in their lives ever. He alleges the band promised to cover his genitals with a sticker, which was never incorporated into the album. Uh, 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 right, okay. Now, I mean, that there may be, there may be a, a promise. There may have been a promise there. I mean, I doubt they made it to him, and I doubt he can remember it. But there you go. To ensure the album would co- uh, cover would trigger a visceral sexual response from the viewer, Weddell activa- uh, activated Spencer's gag reflex before throwing him underwater in poses, highlighting and emphasising Spencer's exposed genital, the complaint states. Fucking hell. Some ambulance... Well, not an ambulance-chasing lawyer, a fucking band-chasing lawyer has really gone to... They've gone to a great extent to make it sound like there is a case to answer here 30 years on. Fucking hell. Eldon is seeking damages of either $150,000 from each... Of the 17 defendants, now that's very clever, isn't it? It's not, he's not asking for $10 million. He has named 17 people and he wants 150 grand from each. The theory being, I would imagine, that, that some or all will pay just to make him go away. And that is, uh, right, okay. Live on the podcast, well it's not live, is it? Because you know, you're, you're listening to this whenever, Right. But I've got to do this 150,000, because I can't do the mental arithmetic, fuck you, times 17 people. That's two and a half million dollars. That's two million five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, but he's not making, he's not making the, um, the claim for that, is he? No, 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 he's, he's 17 individuals, you sneaky fucker. The permanent harm he has he has approximately suffered includes that's brilliant approximately not approximately the permanent harm he has approximately suffered includes but is not limited to extreme and permanent emotional distress with physical manifestations interference with his normal development and educational progress lifelong loss of income earning capacity loss of past and future wages lifelong loss of income earning because yeah, I mean at what age did he even find out it was fucking him um, past and future expenses for medical and psychological treatment loss of enjoyment of life oh fuck me we can all make a claim for that from someone fucking hell and other losses to be described and proven at trial of this matter other losses to be described and proved. You haven't proved, proven anything. And a lot of that is completely erroneous. But then to say there's more of this bullshit to come. Wow. Eldon's parents were reportedly paid $200 for the photos. And the shoot lasted around 15 seconds. <laughs> Fucking hell. 
for 15 seconds of his life, he wants two and a half million. Well, OK, well, I mean, the picture's up there. But if he doesn't go around telling people it's him, if he doesn't wear a T-shirt saying I'm the guy off the cover, who the fuck would ever know? In 2016 interview with Time magazine, Eldon said, It's a trip. Everyone involved in the album has tons and tons of money. I feel like I'm the last little bit of grunge rock. I'm living in my mum's house and driving a Honda Civic. There you go. That's basically, give me some money. I want my money. Everyone else has got money that was involved with this album. I want money. I mean, I spent 15 seconds of my life working on this. It's hard not to get upset when you hear about how much money was involved, Eldon added. I go to a baseball game and think about it. Really? That's just fucking weird. I go to a baseball game and think about it. Right, Okay. what about the supermarket? You all right with that? News agents? Yeah, gas station? All right with that? Man, everybody at this baseball game has probably seen my little baby penis. I feel like I got a part of my human rights revoked. Fucking hell! I, I mean... The guy seriously, genuinely does have issues because, I mean, just reading those quotes, there are there are so many issues there. I really don't know where to start. But Christ, that is well, look, I will post the link. Don't you worry. You won't have to go looking for it. I will post the link of that motherfucker. Oh, yes, I will. Um, Anyway, anyway, um, so uh been dealing with some uh, been dealing with some trolls this uh over the last few weeks and i have to say that um it it's it's kind of fun because they all behave in the exact same way and they all think that they have some immense skills or power or hidden information or way of doing their 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 job because it is it's a job to them and uh, well it's not it's, kind of, it's their lives they don't have jobs it's their entire lives they get consumed by this but each of them thinks that they are that they're somehow different. And the thing is with a troll is you, you know straight away because they say things outrageous, they try and poke you and get a reaction and then you'll see comments that they make. When you address comments that they've made and you've highlighted something and you've basically, you've got the better of them, they then delete their comment um, and they, they take screenshots at all times as well to share when they're, you know, with other people, with other trolls because they're the only friends they have. And they and it's, it's, it's amazing, it really is. But I was thinking, right, do you know you're a troll or don't you? I mean, you've got to know, haven't you? Or do you just think that, like, you're, like, you know, you're really clever and social media is your thing? But surely, surely, when people keep calling you trolls and keep saying stop trolling and you keep getting, like, banned from pages or or whatever, sure, and you, and setting up fake profiles. I mean, there's there's a clue. If you're listening to this, right, and you've set up a fake profile to go around and uh, and and post on people's uh, social media your your rancid idiotic opinions and your t- and your abuse and your lies right you're a troll okay if you've done that if you've set up i mean, I mean and again i don't know if you know i genuinely maybe this is a breakthrough moment for you you know you sat there wanking over your fucking supermarket catalogue or whatever it is you do and all of a sudden you go fucking hell yeah I am a troll oh bloody hell I am a troll oh yeah I mean admittedly I have got five social media accounts that aren't me and I do use them to pick fights with people and I do get a weird buzz out of it 
and nobody likes me and I've got no friends and I'm so socially maladjusted and I'm a bit of a narcissist and I'm a bit of a weirdo and I'll believe anything anyone tells me and it's impossible for, to make me listen to reason. Yeah, maybe I am a troll. Well, there you go. I'm just saying, if you're a troll, there you go. You might have just found out that's a service I provide. Not a problem. The other service I provide is sign up at Patreon. That is right. Join the Patreon crew. Uh, basically, you get extra bollocks. You get the full bollocks. If you sign up at patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith, there is a link in the podcast. It'll say join Patreon. Just click that and you go to Patreon. It is $6 a month. There is loads of extra content. There's radio shows. There's a, uh, a live Zoom that was four hours long last month. There's all sorts of extras. You get this podcast early. You get um, you get an extra podcast. You get all sorts. Fuck me. It's worth it. All right. That's all I'm saying. So Listen to the last one with um, Brian from uh, Brian Slagle from Metal Blade, and you'll hear you'll hear me finish the interview, and then there's a load more extra stuff. Normally, that would just be for patrons. Anyway, that's enough. That's enough selling. I do apologise. Let's get on to today's interview. As you know, it's Sean McVeigh from the awesome um, King Buffalo. Now. Uh, Sean is um, a songwriter, he's a singer, he's a guitarist, he's he's a sound engineer, he's also a lovely, lovely guy. We really hit it off and without further ado, let's hear what we were talking about. Oops, done it again. Um, No, we can't hear what I was uh, was talking about just yet because I need to remind you, you can go to the Talking Bollocks uh, YouTube channel. If you go there right now, you will be able to watch the interview in glorious Technicolor because we did it on Zoom. And then you can come back and listen to the end of the podcast or not if you want. And by the way, yes, I have remembered that I told you all about Bloodstock on the last episode. So my apologies for that. But my ego got the better of me. Surely you're used to it by now. Anyway, I return you to your regular programming, uh, Talking Bollocks on YouTube. That's Talking Bollocks with a Z on the end, not an S. Nip there now if you want to watch. If not, you can listen right here, right now. So um, yeah, you've um, uh, you've got you've got like sexy DJ setup, and um, and I, I, I've got I've got like kind of like you know uh, knock knock off podcast setup. So um, you, uh, you you're sound you're sounding like all rich and beautiful in my ears. So it's all good. Great, great. Yeah, it's it serves as it's my little like writing room. So I have my microphone for mumbling out some vocal ideas. It also works well for pod, uh, interviews on podcasts. Zoom yeah, calls. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, well, look, I, I, look I'm going to I'm going to be completely honest right from right from the, the get go. OK, I saw um, your latest album. I saw the artwork on on um, uh, on the site that I use for, you know, for getting all my music from. Um, don't want to give him a plug. So I saw the artwork. And did, how old school is this? Because you know, as we've already mentioned, I'm kind of old. Um, how old school is this? I saw the artwork and I was like, "Hmm, I like that, and I like the title as well." So I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen to that now. Have an open mind, Howard. Have an open mind. This could be anything. This could be trance, dance, grime, punk, whatever. And I and I just hit play and I was like, oh, I like this. Oh, this is and that's how I discuss that's how we're sat here now, is the is that complete old school kind of I like the artwork. 
and then I discovered the band from there. Um, so that's my being completely honest. Um, and I've kind of done, gone back and done, you know, done a little bit of research about the band, but not too much because obviously, you know, I, I want to talk to you about the band. Uh, but how did how was it putting the new album together? Um, you know, how did it come together? And was it difficult to record? Because I'm presuming there was bits in lockdown. Well, I know there was bits in lockdown because you can hear it in the lyrics as well as knowing, having read the press and stuff. But as a lyricist myself, I feel your pain, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was uh, it, I mean, it was a weird experience for sure, as everyone in the world who has been alive for the past few years can attest. But um, when it first hit, we had just released dead star with our ep dead star and we had a bunch of tours planned um and tours got closed down but we still the numbers in rochester our hometown the covid numbers were pretty pretty low so we were still able to meet up things started to get a little worse so we started to meet up and mask up um and we put like a plastic bear uh sheets around the drum set um just for like added protection and luckily our 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 rehearsal studio and um recording studio jam space is pretty large so we were able to stay pretty far apart in there as well and so we uh we jammed for a little bit and we were like well what are we going to do to you know who knows when we're going to be able to tour again i guess we should use this time to try to write a bunch of material um and then we just we just kept jamming and jamming jamming ended up with hours and hours of ideas and I started to sift through them and kind of organize things into how what I thought like flowed well, what thematically fit, you know, together pretty well. And we ended up on, uh, you know, ended up settling on doing three records of it. They all were kind of different stylistically and, and um, Burden being the first of the three. Uh, and yeah, so as the pandemic kept getting worse and worse, we had to and we had all this ideas anyways we had to I, we said no more jamming we'll all just like work from home and i took all the tracks home and i started cutting and uh moving things around and and then i would send stuff to the guys and be like what do you think about this and um we started working remotely that way i'm um, just kind of sending i would send stuff to them get feedback uh and then really from there we didn't play together until i i right before right until like vaccines started really to, to come out come up come about right, um, right so like when we tracked the record we still had all our our plastic and everything up and it would only ever be i i was the engineer so it would be myself and then either the bass player or the drummer and or for when it was guitar and stuff and singing it was just me so we were never all in the same room really after the initial jam sessions of kind of creating the ideas and then all the refinements from there came from us working individually and then uh recording time in the studio so it was definitely unlike anything we'd ever really done before that way we did a little bit of that sort of piecemeal stuff with dead star we just started to experiment with it but um we figured just to be safe we would we would there's no need if there's no need to have extra people there then let's not have them there um so it was definitely interesting in that regard and i think um, I mean, as you, you said, you listen to the record and the lyrics, you know, it's definitely our darkest record um, I think we've ever made. Uh, so there, I mean, there's just a lot going on. So yeah, it was, it was yeah. a pretty, pretty strange experience. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, what you've described there is, you know, personally, uh, you know, as a, 
as a as a band member myself it's it's almost like the the opposite of how you would envisage the perfect recording scenario really because you, you i mean you you know you bounce off each other you work off each other and 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 to be only having one person in there at any particular time and you know socially distancing but that create that creates a musical distance as well and and just that that process you were saying about actually kind of like okay piecing these songs together and sending them out to the guys and going okay you know what do you think it's it, that that's that in itself is just kind of, it's just there's no other way of saying it it's just fucking weird yeah yeah, yeah it, it is strange um i mean it's sort of how we've always started with that sort of aspect all of our stuff usually 99 percent of it starts with jams and then i'll take the tracks home and i'll listen through and say like out of that two-hour jam session this 10 minutes was really cool and i'll cut that <laughs> you know like and then yeah. we'll, and then but then we'll work on it together from there um, yeah you know maybe maybe i'll do a couple tweak things like hey you know we're adding an extra beat here what if we chop that off and make change the time signature or you know what if we simplify this part here and there and i'll and i'll send that to them but still we usually are working together at that point yeah. um but yeah, yeah it was i i don't know i think also it kind of it kind of worked for what the record was about and what and like the feeling like yeah like i want i mean I beyond the pandemic stuff, I, I had a lot of family stuff kind of change and get pretty uh, stressful and awful over the past few years. And so everything was just kind of piling up at once. And it was just, you know, like I was in a really, really dark place and we were jamming and writing this dark stuff. And I was like, well, you know what? Like it should, this should be, un- let's just, instead of like trying to make this more comfortable, let's keep this uncomfortable and and like have the record be a reflection of all of all of this stuff and i think it, i think it worked in that regard um absolutely absolutely uh, there there is out i mean it's, it's a very atmospheric record for a start um you know and that's that's what drew me into it straight away um and there is there's a lot of um there's a lot of honesty um in the lyrics um and and so it's, it's kind of it's no surprise to, to me to hear you say that there was there's a lot of stuff going on not just the pandemic because there's there's some lyrics in there where you are um well the best lyrics are when people are brutally honest and usually about themselves um and funnily enough the weird tangential thing is that's when that's when comedy works best as well you know when you just lay yourself open and you say you say the way you think about stuff and people either laugh about it because you look because you look ridiculous to them or people are laughing thinking yeah i kind of no, I know where he's coming from. And I got that from your lyrics, not laughter, but, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, but very much there was an, there's an, there was an, an internal struggle. Um, and that feeling of that feeling of restlessness or that feeling of lying in bed at night and a million thoughts going through your head. One of them being, if I don't get any sleep, this is going to get even worse. And that thought is the one that keeps you awake um it's it's yeah it really hit really hit home for me it really hit home yeah it was um it was definitely scary for me in regards to like writing lyrics like that um and when we were kind of doing the lyrics for the record um i tried being a little more ambiguous um a little more like metaphorical with a lot of things that's usually we're not as sort of direct and on the nose um 
but as I was doing it, it just didn't feel right. And I, and with where my mental state was, it, it, it felt like kind of dishonest and it, it felt, um, uh, I dishonest is really the really the word and it just didn't yeah. feel it didn't feel right and so I was like well I, the exercise I did was I as a just sort of practice for myself I, I started writing some of the lyrics not ever intending them to be the final lyrics it was like almost like a journal entry like I'm gonna write these lyrics and they're gonna be just for me you know like it's 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 <laughs> right. just for me and then you know I'm listening back and I'm reading them and I'm like I don't know this actually could be could be good and then usually once I get to a point where I have some decent ideas, I'll send stuff to Scott our drummer who helps out with a lot of the lyrics. And he, he's a lot faster at writing lyrics than I am. Um, so he'll, he'll, I'll send him, you know, a verse and an idea for the chorus or a chorus and a couple lines for a verse. And he'll send me back a full page full of lyrics. I'll look through his lyrics and I'll say, ah, you know, I don't really like a lot of this, but these three lines are great. And then I'll build <laughs> off those three lines. And, and, and then, um, so yeah, I, I got to a point where I, I had written these lyrics that were just for, I thought they were going to be just for me. At least I was telling myself while I wrote it. And then I started feeling pretty good about it. Sent it to the guys. And I was like, I don't know, man. Like, cause we don't even really talk about this stuff as a band, you know, like they, yeah. they didn't yeah. really know that, we, we didn't talk about the problems that I was having, you know, like we, we, we show up and we jam and we work and, and then we go, you know? So it was a little, it was really scary. And it was scary for me to put a lot of myself into it that way in a way that I hadn't really done before. But um, looking back on it now, it's definitely probably the record I'm most proud of at this point because, because of that, I think. Yeah. And the thing is as well is that yeah, a, what, what came across to me is the, as I've, you know, as I alluded to earlier is the, was the honesty because that's what you, you know, you connect with. And it's funny that you were saying it felt that, you know, you tried to approach it a different way and it felt dishonest. And that is without doubt what, what I connected with was, was that honesty and that openness. Um, and it, it kind of, it also suits the mood of the record, but it suits the mood of the time as well, you know, and there's things in there, there's things in there that, people can really, really identify with, you know, because it just so happens everybody had, you know, a shit 2020. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I know exactly how you feel. Tours lined up, everything ready to go. And then no. Um, and, and the title as well. The title is just absolutely spot on. It is that, you know, the burden of restlessness of, of, of being put in that situation, of being put in that box. But I think that's incredibly brave. I'm, which which, which sounds patronising. I'm apolog- I, I'm sorry for that. But um, it is it is brave to to put yourself out there and put yourself in your music, especially when you haven't like when your band members aren't even like you know aware of this. Um, and it must have felt kind of like going to the doctors and saying, you know, is this okay? <laughs> you know, to the other guys and yeah, I mean a, a little bit. Um you know uh yeah it, it definitely because i i didn't you know i don't know if they want it with being so much about like what it was in my me being in my own head i didn't know if it felt like too sort of like um self-obsessed personal egos- yeah egos- yeah yes. you know like yeah um but at the same time like i did i did kind of i mean as we all know, like everyone was having a rough time, like everyone, everyone was freaking out. 
So I, I was like, I don't know. I think we should just, I think we should just roll with it, you know? Um, and yeah. I, luckily I, they gave positive feedback and it felt <laughs> the same way. But that, that, but that's always the danger, you know, as a singer presenting lyrics to a band, you know, there, there is always that danger where someone's going to go, okay, dude, maybe it's not all about you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but it, it, it kind of has to be because if, if, if you're not feeling it and, and, the result the proof is in the pudding the result is as you said that you now feel like this is the record that you're you're most proud of and that's because there's like there's the biggest chunk of you in it yeah it's it was one of the hardest records it was probably the hardest record we've ever made both lyrically and then technically um everything um so yeah it, it is it is i think without question the record i'm most proud of at this point um every every bit of it was a slog um and uh you know the kind of thing you know like shawshank redemption like you're crawling through the poop pipe you know like uh it was like that and then you get to the you get to the end you know yeah there's a there's a whole lot of shawshank before there's (laughs) before there's any redemption yeah 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 yeah, absolutely um but but it's it but it works you know and it's uh, and and also i have to say i am a big fan of having plastic screens in front of drummers whether there's a pandemic <laughs> or not yeah you know? just 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 wall them off wall, yeah. wall them off you know um and um well this is i mean it's it's an, i mean, really do think the album's an incredible achievement so much so that um uh, buying the CD from your website ended up costing me twenty six dollars. Oh yeah, for shipping <laughs> to the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah man. Um, but luckily, I didn't have to pay uh, like import duty on top of it when it arrived. It seemed to slip. It seemed to slip through. Um, so that was cool. Um, but um, you, I mean, you've recently you've made an album available that was previously only available on vinyl and you've made it available for free digitally which is a live album recorded in a cave i mean you know you guys clearly love to do things very very normally the same way just boring (laughs) traditional (laughs) well slight slight correction is the free record the free record we released digitally was our live at freak valley Uh, ah right okay so that um but we did record a record in a cave and that will be available but not for free. <laughs> ah, right. So that's so that's to come. That's one of that's one of the three. Yes. Yep. Um, I can't give too many details, but it is that is our second record of the three. Um, I do, I just think I think the uh, the press release should be second album in the group of three. This was recorded in a cave. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's we sent out a little uh, little blast about it a week or two ago, and I think that's pretty much what it what all it was <laughs> and, and i think yeah i think i saw that i think that's what yeah. i'm getting that from yep yep so well I, you know the, but the, the, the thing is it's like it's not the kind of press release you you get every day i mean my, you know my eyes are all, were already looking for like you know anything about you guys and I, in fact i tweeted you guys and said any chance you come on the podcast who handles your press um and uh and, and, and nothing happened which is cool that happens all the time and then, um, and then, what your your PR agent is one of the people who regularly sends me stuff, and you guys were in the subject line, and I was like, "Yeah, awesome!" And then I opened it up, and it's like album in a cave, one album of three. These guys are even more insane than I realized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say the cave idea was um, extremely ambitious. It was an insane experience. Um, 
one that I don't know if we'll ever do anything like that again, but it was really cool to do it. Um, and uh, yeah, it, we're really excited for the finished product, um, which we're just waiting on receiving at this point. But. It's it's a very it's a very Pink Floyd esque thing to do. Well, yeah, I mean, Pink Floyd is one of our, I think each of us, uh, it's one of our favorite bands. And, you know, like I've always like I grew up loving Live at Pompeii. I wanted to do our, you know, Live at Pompeii. And this is actually Scott, our drummer. He had the idea to do it. Um, he he mentioned it to the band. He's like, hey, what if for the second record, what if we did this? What if we recorded it at this place? And we're like, I don't know. I've never been there. This could be crazy. Like, is it is it possible? And he's like, I think so. Yeah, I, I went and visited with visited it with my son. I think it's I think it would work out. And we kind of just rolled with it and uh, did it. <laughs> dude, dude, you've got to be careful where he goes on days out with his son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Next thing you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be recording in playgrounds and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. That's incredible. It's like, yeah, I thought, but, you know, why don't we do an album in a cave? Well, I happen to know of a cave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where we might be able to record. I, I don't even know how that conversation starts. I mean, he volunteered, he was at a cave and maybe you could record an album in it. He was there. He was, uh, it's, you know, it's, um, I don't, I'm trying to think of how to say stuff without giving too much away, but it is like, uh, you know, it's, it's a somewhat of, it's a tourist attraction, you know, like they have infrastructure. It's not like, a random cave in the middle of nowhere yeah. you know um so he had been there and 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 yeah he he mentioned it and i was like oof me being the audio engineer that i am i was like i don't know man <laughs> uh, you know uh, uh yeah and he's you know we kind of just it was kind of like a leap of faith like i hadn't even he had scouted it he like i said he was there but i had never been there i had, i knew nothing i knew nothing what it looked like and it was the kind of thing you can't really you think you can prepare for, but you can't really like fully prepare until you're there with the band making noises. And, uh, and you're like, oof, you know, all right, here we go. You know, like, yeah, like must, this, is, this is the sound, you know, it's the yeah. sound of the cave. Like there's no, there's no escaping it. You know, I was just going to say as a, as, as a, as an audio engineer, that is literally like, uh, there's no, there's no tweak in the reverb in this place. You know, yeah. we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're done with this. This is it. But there's something there's something really cool about that, and I I have to say I've got to say it because obviously I, I'm a comedian as well. But um, this album is going to make you the most underground band of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But it's just a, it's just a crazy idea. I love it, and just putting you but putting yourselves out there and be willing to try it. Was there ever was there ever a point where you just kind of like, you know, maybe maybe one song in, or you you thinking, do you know what this is? this is probably not going to work. Or was it just fully committed? We go from beginning to end and let's see what we get. And if it's usable, we use it. And if it isn't, we don't. Oh, there was a lot of doubt for sure, but there was no going back. You know, like um, we were there. Uh, like we, there was, there was, there wasn't, there was no going, going back. Yeah. We had hired, yeah. like I, I didn't do the engineering for it. We, we, we brought our, an engineer so but like we we were paying people to be there and we had rented the space you know like they didn't they didn't let us do it for free we had to pay yeah. you know rent rent the space and had to do all the stuff and what is it the, 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 what is the going rate for renting a cave these days to record an album in? 
Um, I don't know actually. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't handle any of that stuff. But I know we. Pay, I know right. we paid. Um, but yeah, we were there. You know, there was no. There was no going back. It was just, we're gonna do it. You know, here we go. Yeah. Um, and like you said, hopefully, hopefully this is usable. Yeah, we'll see. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And so yeah, there was there was no. Like, like I said, I think there was a lot of doubts the whole time, but yeah, but you also have to kind of just like, you have to just go, you have to roll with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And was, and was this material that, um, that you had previously jammed and pieced together and sent to the guys, or was this stuff you'd had a chance to work on together? Uh, it was stuff that was pieced together and sent to the guys. Um, but then we did have a couple weeks of rehearsals, um, leading up to it. Uh, to get it to get it to get it really like to fine-tune everything yeah yeah um and it was stuff that like part of what gave scott the idea i think is it is um uh again i don't know how to i don't want to give too much away but it's a little more like long form you know like the songs are longer it's a little like more jammier and flowier than than burden so it was like oh this would work we could in theory do this live you know, record it live. We could, we could pull this off yeah. um, as opposed to, you know, there's what burden was very much more technical. There's a lot more layers. There's a lot of things coming and going. So that was a, you know, that needed to be done in a studio. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, and okay. So the album's recorded um, and there's a third one to come. At, w- at what stage are you with that? Um, we're still in the production stage. Um, part of what, I don't know so if you saw that re- press release. Um, we did have when we finished the second record and sent it off for pressing. Lights on. We got bad news about uh, about it um, about the timeline and everything got and then it was like oh okay like you know burden had a lot of delays with the, with the vinyl pressing um, and the, those delays just kind of kept growing so everything got pushed back so um realistically we're not going to be able to get the third record out this year uh yeah but so we had to push everything we had to push the third record into 2022 uh but you know there's 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 worse things as we know you know if if we're coming out of a pandemic uh we've got vaccines you know we can we can walk around again uh depending on what part of the world you're in obviously yeah um but uh, and and I guess these three th- these three records are going to be like kind of milestones in your in your lives. Never mind the career of the band. Yeah, yeah, um, I think so. I, I mean, I f- I was really bummed when it became obvious that we were going to have to push the third record into twenty twenty two, particularly because yeah. when I found out, I had literally just done I think like an interview that day, and someone was like, "Are you sure you're going to be able to release three records in the year?" And I was like, "Yeah, no problem. It's gonna it's gonna work out. It's gonna easy peasy." And then literally like later that day, it's like actually we're gonna you know <laughs> um, we're plants are way behind schedule. And it's like oh okay yeah. well i just <laughs> you know so it, it kind of that kind of stuck stunk to have to walk that back but um you know it this is what happens when you try to do dumb ambitious ideas i guess <laughs> the, 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 this is what happens when you are like massively ambitious and you look to do triple what most people would do in a year 
Um, I, but but look, you know, if if you aim for the moon, if you end up with the stars, then it's all good. You know, you go big or go home, and yeah, yeah, that, and that's exactly what you've done. Um, which is which is incredible. You're talking to somebody here that that has t- that took 29 years to get our third album out. Okay, so you know, which which ironically was just before the pandemic came uh, hit. So I know better than most people how hard it is to actually get stuff together and put one album out. I mean, putting three out in a year, uh, putting three out in two years is is still phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. But I can also appreciate the frustration as as a as an artist myself. Um, I can also appreciate that you have the concept and you this is how you envisage it, and that's how you want to deliver it. And when when something when something gets broken from that from your original you know your original concept it's frustrating without a doubt yeah yeah and it's it's for me it's like a little embarrassing you know like i felt i felt a little bit like made this big claim and then it's like yeah wah, 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 i'm not gonna do it you know like uh, just kind of it was kind of a little embarrassing like my my um my grandma used to say like growing up, you know, like you're piling your plate with food and she's like, you're eating with your eyes, you know, when you, you have this big plate of food and then all of a sudden you can't finish, can't finish all yeah. your food. It's like you, you tried to eat with your eyes, not with your, not with your mouth and stomach. And yeah. I felt, you know, so I felt a little bit of that, but um, you know, I, it's everything, well, you know, it's, it's just like everything, everything's super delayed right now. You try to buy any sort of products nowadays and things are back ordered and it's, it's just, it's the way of the world right now. And, you know, not much, not much you can really do about it besides roll with the punches. No, absolutely. And uh, I was brought up in Yorkshire in England and we had the same phrase, but the phrase was um, your eyes are bigger than your belly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. It's probably yeah. a more eloquent way to say it. I, I don't, Leave it to the English to have a more eloquent way, <laughs> eloquent way to say something. Oh, mate, mate, it, it, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not eloquent with a Yorkshire accent because this is how it said: "Your eyes are bigger than your belly." Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not particularly eloquent. I got to be honest. Um, oh. But I, funnily enough, I liked eating with your eyes. I like that. Another uh, what, uh, one I heard recently, which was just brilliant, is um, um, well, I remembered it recently. Um, and a previous relationship, the the grandmother of um, of the girl I was with, um, one of the clocks in her house was always slow. And I looked at it and I said, "Is that the right time?" And she said, "Oh, that one never tells the truth." Yeah, <laughs> that's a polite <laughs> way to put it. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a great, what a great, what a great way of putting. Yeah, yeah the, the, that that clock's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, it's broken no it just doesn't tell the truth yeah yeah exactly it's just but she was welsh and that's very it's very poetic of you know uh, um uh, of the welsh and um uh I, one thing i wanted to ask you do you um feel like a do you feel more of a singer than a guitarist are you more of a guitarist than a singer is it an even split you know how do, and how's that developed over the years I've always considered myself a guitar player that happens to sing. Yeah. Um, as we've progressed as a band, I've started to feel more like I need to take singing a little more seriously, seriously. you know, yeah. um, you know, and as, and as I, as I age too, you know, like I don't have the same voice I did eight years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, and we're playing longer sets, you know, like it's one thing when you're showing up and you're playing 35 minutes, you know, you can have a few beers, a whiskey, smoke some cigarettes and you'll be fine. You know, when you got to do an hour and a half every night, now all of a sudden you need to like, you know, you got to be able to get through it. 
um, and, and people are paying money to come see you. It's not, I don't think it's, I feel bad showing up and phoning it in or doing a bad job because I was having too much, too many recreational activities to, to do a good job, you know? So I'm, you know, I wouldn't by any means say I'm, uh, like fully develop the habits of a, of a professional singer. Um, but it is something that I, I do try to work on more and more, uh, you know, you know, as yeah. things progress. Yeah. Well, d- look, don't worry. I'm, I'm a singer and I haven't fully developed the professional habits of a singer yet either. So, um, you know, it, it, it happens, but one of the hardest things certainly for me, and, and I think you might be similar is, um, one of the things that you kind of have to do less of is talking. And, and I really struggle with that. Um, you know, I guess it depends on the situation. There'll be plenty of situations where you can get me going and I won't be able to shut up. But um, especially during the pandemic, I wasn't going anywhere, you know. So um, it's just me and my girlfriend and our dog in the house. And she was working in her office next door. So, you know, I would go most of the day and saying only like five sentences here and there, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's, but, it, it, but it's difficult when you're around a band environment as well. And people want to talk to you and people want to, you know, people want to ask you questions or, you know, it, it's, it's, I've, I've, it's something I've always struggled with. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I've, I've only learned, I've only learned, um, well, re- I've refreshed my warm up routine after 20 years um, because my, re- my warm up routine was like nothing basically. Um, and now I have a warm up routine and a warm down routine as well, which is that's that's a that that was a new one on me. Um, that's and- probably something I need to look into for me. I, I you know, like with all the talking and everything, I don't like before a show, I don't really talk too much because, you know, I have to warm up with voice and guitar. So I'll be in in the green room really for most of the show, like kind of preparing and then after the show is when I'll just start yapping, you know, and I, and I won't stop. But probably a, a, a cool down would be a, a good way to to help, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's, it's like anything, isn't it? You go you go to the gym, you warm up, you go to the gym, and then you and then you stretch off afterwards. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's the exact same thing. It's a muscle, you know. And it's literally it's high notes and then dropping and arcing down, kind of five notes and then dropping down and holding the low note and letting it reverberate. And then you, you just, it's, it's the opposite of scales. You know, you're going, you start high and you just, you, you start straight high and you just bring it down and high and down. Uh, but you're just arcing it all the time. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I swear by it. The weird thing is as well, is that it, it, it kind of, because the note, because your notes like before, before a show it's like scales up scales down scales up scales down you know come on let's get going but after the show it's like ah and you and you kind of i've I've found it a great way of actually kind of decompressing after a gig as well because you work on your breathing you know it's not like don't don't be gasping it just suck it in and um dude I, I I have it on MP3. I will send you I'll right. send I'll send you my warm down on MP3 and it's just, it's gorgeous um scottish singing teacher that i have and she's got this gorgeous scottish voice and it's so little dude you will just be you will be blissed out at the end of this warm down right great great yeah i look forward <laughs> to seeing that yeah I, like i actually you know i did look into taking voice lessons uh semi-recently but during the pandemic obviously couldn't you know people weren't meeting up there wasn't a lot of in-person stuff once vaccines rolled out i was like oh this might be a good time but um, I was still seeing a lot of remote stuff and, and knowing myself, like, it's not, I don't think it's not going to be effective. Like I can't, 
I can't really practice in my house. I like, I can't get out of my own head. You know, my girlfriend's on yeah. zoom calls with, for her job next door. I'm not going to, Oh, you know, like, I, and like, I'm, I know in my, I'm going to be in my own head thinking about the neighbors and everything's like, no, nah, I have to, I have to be able to go into a place and do it. But I look forward to checking out these warm down, cool down. Um, I, I, man, I, look, I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. I have neighbors below me. I have neighbors above me. Um, but when you've got your first show of after 18 months and it's main stage of a major festival, I was oh, yeah. like, okay, I've got to put those neighbors out of my head. And instead what I did was I watched and they both go out to, uh, to pick up the kids from school at the same time. And, I, and that gives me like a 50, 55 minute window. Perfect. Exactly. But, to, <laughs> but towards the end of it, the, 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 towards the end of it, I'm like, I'm, I'm singing, but I'm getting nearer and nearer the window so I can see, if that because I don't I don't want them to catch me singing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's because you know? also like singing exercises sound so weird. <laughs> like, like it's usually yeah. not like it's not like very musical a lot of the time. You know, like I don't know. I remember so I I, I like sang in you know when I I was in like the church choir. I, I like sang in school and had to take voice in college. Um, but that was years and years and years ago. But you know, there's these stupid exercises like mama made me mash my m&ms like why are you yelling why are you singing mama made me mash my m and you know like and like really like hmm, getting it up into your nose i was like no one wants to listen to that no one wants to hear that but like, what is this weirdo doing you know <laughs> well well look i've got i've got another thing for you okay i'm honestly you're getting all this for free i paid for good i paid like a lot of money for singing lessons and you can just have them for free okay so the other thing is um get a small bottle of water okay and um, you'll 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 have seen them somewhere or you can order them off Amazon and it's it's like a rubber straw. OK, and they're, they're like these big rubber straws. OK, and you get the rubber straw and you put it in the bottle of water and you put a little bit of water in the bottle in the bottom and you do scales. So I so I basically I put I put earplugs in. I'm given scales. And you do the scales through the straw into the water. You, your girlfriend in the next room doesn't even know you're doing it. Never mind the neighbors. But also it helps, it helps um, keep your mouth in the right shape. Because when you use a straw, you, the way, you, the way you, you know, pinch it with your mouth, that keeps the arch of your mouth open. Because a lot of people will sing with a flat top of the mouth and they're like, they're, mm, you know, they're trying to squeeze it out, but it makes right. you, it makes you go like, mm, and it gives you that love. Honestly, I hope people are watching the video. If you're just listening to the audio of this, good luck. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically it, that helps you keep, keep your posture and keep your, keep your, keep your throat in the right place and keep the roof of your mouth, the arch of your mouth in the right place. And no one knows you're doing it. So you can walk, you can walk around doing scales through a straw into a little bottle of water. And I have found that to be really, really useful because it just, you just do it once, you know, if you're between shows, you haven't got any shows for a long time. It just, it keeps you, it just keeps your voice used to working at that level. And there's no kind of straining going on. You just, you know, you're just doing scales. Um, and it's really, really useful, really useful. Um, so there you go. Top tip. Try that one, man. Rubber straw and a bottle of water. Who thought? <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds like a comedy act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, it's definitely worth doing. And I'll, I'll definitely send you the, um, the warm down as well. Yeah. Um, cool. But one, funnily enough, the, the question I asked you was a version of the question that I've asked a few people. Um, and in fact, it was, I interviewed um, Fish from Marillion or like, you know, he was in Marillion way back in the day. 
and um and he volunteered that he feels uh, he feels like he's more of a writer than a than a singer and uh and i interviewed um suzanne vega who guests on our album very weird combination of thrash metal and suzanne vega long story um but i i interviewed her and i was like fish was telling me that he feels more like a writer who can sing and she was like yeah yeah no i absolutely get that and that's that's how i feel as well um and given the conversation we had earlier about lyrics what's your relationship with lyrics and writing like and and it seems like it it might be going through some kind of change yeah i think it i i think it is definitely kind of going through a little bit of a change um lyrics have always been extremely difficult for me um i've always it's just something i've always struggled with um uh i'm such like a a critic like i you know it'll take me two hours to write one line because i will like I'm constantly editing it, you know, like, like till I, till I get exactly where I want it. Um, so I think like, I'm sort of a reluctant lyricist, you know, like, um, but I also, I, I think like with our kind of music, like I, I don't, I never really have tried to have the vocals be front and center, if that makes sense. Um, burden a little more than usual, but I've always kind of, you know, you brought up Pink Floyd and I've always kind of thought of things in sort of like the Pink Floyd sense where everything is in is working with everything else. You know, like uh, um, the vocal melody is supposed to work in con- concert with everything else around it as opposed to, you know. The singer, like the singer's going, you know, like, yeah, um, so I, yeah I'm yeah, here. It, Listen to me. Right. Right. So I've always I've always kind of been, I guess, like treated like what I do is a little more of like composing and arranging and producing um and then lyrics lyrics are honestly they're one they're usually the last thing that get done for every song um it's very rare that i have lyrics and then form a song around the lyrics it's almost always we have this band arrangement and then i'll put lyrics to that so um which is which is strange i i'm trying to take more of a you know as i grow as a, as a musician and everything i do try to get a little more um deliberate and i guess like uh ahead of the game with lyrics but it's still always for me the last thing to come i always try to create they're always sort of part of the mood of whatever it is that i'm working on right so i'm um i'll even like lay out the whole album instrumentally uh i'll have all of the arrangements pretty much done and i'll have uh vocal mumblings in there you know like i'll have like a melody yeah. like mm-hmm, you know those hum stuff and then i will then I'll then I'll write to the mood arc that I'm trying to do for for the record and say, OK, this song is going to be about this. This is going to be that. And it's going to have this whole 45 minute movement is, you know, um, so. I think I went off on a tangent there. I don't no, <laughs> I don't no, 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 you didn't at all, because I because, you know, to me, it sounds like you're making everything much harder for yourself because um you're writing to order so and that's really difficult especially if you've got all the music there and you're going right well this has to be this and that and and this and and that that's that is that's really fucking hard yeah you know because because you are writing to order instead of having jotted stuff down and created lyrics in places and already having stuff that you go well actually this stuff i've got here 
it, instead of it being music, it's a bunch of words. And it's like, well, this bunch of words goes like on top of that stuff. And this bunch of words goes on top of that stuff. And, right. uh, and I, I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm always like scribbling stuff down, but that's, I mean, that's, that's just who I am. You know, w- words have always been my, been my thing. And I'm, you know, I, I, I don't play an instrument or anything like that. It's like words, singing, podcast stand up will will talk for food basically <laughs> um but it, it but what you're doing is it, it, on top of all of the musical work that you're doing that's that's incredibly incredibly difficult to then i couldn't do that if you gave me like that completed music and went right well this is the vibe right to that and i'd be like well i'm out dude i'm sorry like yeah. that's that <laughs> yeah. that's really tough um it is. I, I, I mean, it's for me, it's really difficult, but I don't know. I've tried, you know, every time I'm like, okay, I'm going to give myself an exercise where I'm just going to like write for 10 minutes a day or something like that. You know, like I do it for like two days and then I stop. Like for me, like I would, I can pick up a guitar and I will noodle around and I, I can do that for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to sit and be present with my thoughts and try to write them down is a horrifying experience that I, that I never, you know, like I, I always put off for as long as possible. Um, so I'm not saying the way that. I do it is the right way. No. It's, uh, it's, it, it definitely is difficult. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm able to do it any other way. Uh, well, we, we, the thing is we, we all, we all have our, you know, we all have our, our ways of approaching everything and you know that, and this is it. It's like, there's no, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. There's your way. And there's my way and my way suits me and your way suits you. And I mean, for me, I will, I'll have an idea in my head for a song and they'll have uh, some lyrics and there'll be, there'll be a couple of lines I know that are kicking around that I've written down that I've been, I, I, movies are a great source of inspiration. Occasionally there'll be one line of dialogue, which will just jump out of the script. And I'll be like, mm-hmm. that's going into the phone. Um, and it's like um, all cats, all cats are gray in the dark. Oh wow! I'm going to write that one down. You know that one just stuck in my mind. But it was literally like people are talking, and that line goes out there. And I was just like, grab my phone, and whoever was with me was like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "That line." And they were like, "What line?" It's like it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm just just let me do this, um, and and I'll like create kind of it in my head, and then I will sit down, and it will come out in like, and I'll be done in like 45 minutes. Oh, but God, I'm so jealous. <laughs> nah, ah, ah, yeah, but the but the thing is, it, that sounds like oh, right. So you've just written, it. but it's been kicking around in my brain and fermenting for weeks, sometimes months. So what I'm doing there is not. It's just all oh, come out. It's like a cathartic experience. No, there's weeks and months of thought mm-hmm. gone into it, and and it just and then it and that just comes out. So the blueprint is already in there. And that's pointing to my head listeners um and then it just comes out and 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 but the, the other thing as well um is is editing and i try not to do too much editing and i find the title of the song if i get a title of the song first it's a lot easier to write the rest of the song and um but listening to your process earlier i would love it because I, look i'm a big fan of your lyrics okay I'm a big fan of the lyrics um, on the the burden of restlessness. Uh, I found some of them very touching and incredibly personal to me. And that's how lyrics should be. That's what all great lyrics are. They should like really hit home. And they're like, oh my God, this was written about me, you know? And and that is, that is fantastic. And so 
I, the, the process you described, I would, I would love it. Uh, God, I sound like such a big-headed producer here. I would, I would love it if you turned that 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 lyrical um, process you have on its head, and you just wrote a you just wrote a bunch of words, and you gave it to your drummer, and your drummer took it and went, okay, well you've got this, and you've got this, and you've got this, and then you and then you come back and he's like, oh right, wow, because I thought I'd written like two three pages of like nonsense rubbish. Yeah, uh, and because you said you're your own worst critic, and the best way of getting out of your own way is give it to someone else to edit. Uh, yeah, I mean that would certainly be an interesting exercise for us as a band. Um, I yeah. mean, you might not yeah. want to do. You might not want to do that. <laughs> no, I mean, I I don't know. I think it could work. It's um, I don't know. It's it's you know when I when I do write lyrics, you know I'll have a lot of them. You know they'll be for every you know, two verses, there's a, a page or two of nonsense or just different <laughs> yeah. way of saying the same, it's the same line, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, like, I think it would be interesting to, to try to write sort of a story first and then uh, the music after to fit that. But, um, but, but also lyrics are, lyrics are deeply personal and how, mm-hmm. and how they come about is deeply personal. You know, and it's like you look at our two processes. They, I mean, they couldn't be more different. You know, they they couldn't, yeah. they couldn't be more. But ultimately, you know, if as long as you arrive at the same place, which is lyrics that mean something to people, and that all, and also that you can that you can project with complete and total honesty and faith. And I hate the word because it's been corrupted by um, reality TV music programs. But you're able to emote the words because that's where they come from they come from your emotions um yeah yeah I, I totally agree and it's it's what i find to be interesting is sort of trying to walk the line of trying to say something um but but not also say not, but exactly like trying to yeah. like trying to guide someone to to the to the final destination um, you know, there, there are songs that, I, that I've written in the past and people have come up and they said, oh, that's definitely about this. And I'm like, not at all in any way. I'm, I, I don't say this to them, but yeah, I, say, I didn't, I didn't think of that when I wrote it. Um, you know, I'm, that's really cool that you thought of it that way. And then sometimes, you know, you get the occasional person that says it's about something that I really don't want it to be about. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I maybe yeah. should have been a little clearer there on that one, you know? Um, so it's I, trying to like walk that line is always, always interesting. Yeah. But the you, thing don't wanna, is, you don't want to, you don't want to like be, if it's too on the nose, then, uh, y- you know, then it's kitsch, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. so yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting line, but also, but, but also I think it's like you, you, ha- you just have to do what you do because the way other people's brains work is not something that you're ever going to be able to influence or be in charge of. And I know that exact experience because there's a song uh, on our album called United Hates. And only today someone commented on the video on YouTube. Yeah, well, you're from the UK, man, and you're fucked too. Your country's way more fucked than ours. I'm like, dude. It's got nothing to do with politics or the UK or the US. And in and in album reviews, people have said, and there's a song, United Hates. Pretty obvious what that's about. Well, it's not about any of the things that you think it's about. It's about like it, the war of the those United Hates are in my head. 
It's about what goes on inside your head when, you know, when your hates unite against you and prevent you from achieving things. It's got nothing to do with politics. And there's this like, there's this Trump supporting idiot, like smashing his keyboard, you know, and I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, dude, you know, just back, back to your basement. Yeah. It happens. There's nothing you can do. No, no, there, I mean, yeah, we've had a few of those of uh, people, you know, I, I, I tend to, you know, a lot of our songs are pretty political. If you were, if you were able to like read through it and like look at some of the source materials, I think it's pretty obvious. Some people who I don't align with at all politically, I'll see them comment or, you know, say something and totally coming from the opposite end. And I'm like, they're like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, oof, maybe I didn't make this clear enough. I don't want, I don't want to be lumped in with that guy, you know, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, there's the internet's a weird place. So, oh yeah. I, I, wow. <laughs> Dude, we've, 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 we've managed, we've managed quite a long time without actually mentioning comments or the internet. My fault. I do. I went there. <laughs> I, I, I dragged, I dragged that nest of vipers up. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's move along quickly. But, <laughs> but, but I, and, and, it's interesting what you say as well, you know, when, when people come up and like, you know, Oh, you know, and it's like this, this was really, this really hit home for me and it's about this or whatever, or in interviews sometimes, which I really, I don't get it. When people ask like interviewers ask, so what are your lyrics about? Tell us what this song's about. It's like, no, that's no, no, that's like, that's not, that's never going to happen because the minute you say exactly what a song is about, you ruin it for a number of people who've personalized it to them and for right. them, that's what it's about. You know? Yeah. It's so much better when, I mean, in an ideal world, everyone would come to the conclusion you want them to come to, but you want them to come to the, reach that endpoint on their own. Um, like you said, otherwise it's, it, it kind of um, is less interesting, you know, like the, the, trying to figure out what it's a, what a song is about is part of the allure of, of the song, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, as I always say, it's like, you know, what do you think that song's about? And they tell me and it's like, okay, well, that's what it, that's what it's about then for you. That's what it's about. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to mess with that. I wrote the words, but words are there to be interpreted. That's history tells us that. So, you know, that's, that's what it's about for you. And sometimes it's nice to actually have a completely different take on, on something written and go, wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess if I applied, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I yep. see, I see where they're coming from. I mean, like not, that's not, that was never in my head, but that's an interesting take on it. And, um, and also I think it's really important. You know, you, 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 you're a Floyd fan. I'm a Floyd fan. Lyrics were always something I was deeply interested in, um, growing up when I first got into music and uh, over the years with the advent of digital music and everything else, you know, they've become to less and less meaningful. Um, you know, people don't get a lyric book usually with a download. Um, and, you know, now we have lyric videos, which is the equivalent of the bouncing ball. Um, and I, I just think it's really important to maintain credibility with lyrics because as I always say to people, you know, publishing is often paid 50% on the music, 50% on the words. That's how important lyrics are. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, like 
as far as sort of copywriting a song, you can really only copyright the vocal melody and the and the lyrics. As far as far as I know, like you can't. It gets loose, and I I could be completely wrong. I'm not a, a you know an entertainment lawyer, but you know it's it's very difficult to copyright a drum beat and a chord progression. You know, um, people have argued it, and it, I guess it can be done, but. Um, yeah, but those yeah. Th- those people can afford very, uh, very, very expensive, expensive lawyers, yeah, yeah. very expensive <laughs> entertainment lawyers, of which neither us are them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, but it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a, it's it's credibility. It's credibility. It's like um, I, and I a, a friend of mine's um, daughter, um, really, he was telling me how much she is into music, and I was like, oh, that's really cool. What kind of music is she into? And you know, uh, I I I can't remember what it was, and. Um, and I said, um, and I said, oh, and, and and what about the lyrics? And she just said, oh, I'm not, I'm not bothered about the words. And and I was just kind of a little bit of a little bit a little bit of me died inside, you know. I was kind of like, really, not bothered about the words. That's like, I, so I did my whole fifty percent and publishing explanation, and she just kind of looked at me like I was, you know, speaking I mean- Swahili. I will say I definitely was that way for a very long time. There was there was artists that I, you know. One of the first records that I really listened to start to finish that really changed my life was Animals, uh, Pink Floyd's Animals. And, and you know, that was one where like the lyrics, I mean, they're right there and they're easy enough to understand what it is they're talking about. But then, you know, you get into I don't want I'm not going to like say any specific artists, but there's a lot of stuff. You know, it's kind of what the, the difference. Um, I remember I took uh, a music history course in college and one of the big debates was um, like art music versus pop music. Right. And like the, they can often overlap quite a bit, but like there's music to dance to and to have a good time. And then there's music and like, the I, let's be honest, really, the words don't really matter in a lot of that stuff. You know, yeah, like, absolutely. And you know, that's like cool. it's, it's not the purpose of it. And that's fine. You know, um, yeah. so it's like what what is something falling into? You know, like if it's if it's like designed to be an art piece, then the lyrics are very important. But if it's designed to just, you know, mu- music can't I think has a, an important function um, in a way to like to be um sort of providing a an avenue for for just like fun good times right like like dance, yeah like absolutely dance music, pop music it's, it's it's great um and the words are kind of there as filler yeah. for a lot of it they have to be like relatable you know like they're important but they're not it's not the same as you know writing I don't know. Imagine, you know, it's not, yeah, it's not no, the same. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. But I, look, there's, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, passionate about, about lyrics and stuff like that, but you know, yeah. You know, Dave Lee Roth, eat them and smile. Great album. Um, there's nothing of substance on there lyrically. No. Um, you know, Ooh, Yankee Rose. Nah. But again, the parallel is movies. You know, there's movies there that is just going to look. I just want to sit down and make me laugh. I want to sit down and I want to feel good at the end of this. And there's something yeah. else, you know, there's two and a half hours with so well, Shawshank Redemption. Hey, you can't watch that every day. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there's there's the Avengers and then there's Parasite, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not in the same genre, you know. Yeah, yeah. Two great examples. Two great examples. Which, well, yeah, exactly. And it, and it is. It's kind of like it, it's about mood. And and neither neither one is more valid than the other. 
You know, I mean, yeah. it's it, ultimately, you know, you if you you know, you get fans of either movie you will sit sit down and tell you why one is better than the other. But of course, it, it's art, so there's no such thing as better. There's just your opinion and yeah, and my opinion, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, I talk about how much I love Pink Floyd, but then like I love ACDC, and like <laughs> yeah, you know, let let's. It's not they're they're not like painting the Mona Lisa lyrically, you know, yeah. but they freaking rock, man. Like, and the, the, you know, the song, the stuff comes on and you can't help but like, yeah, yeah, man. You know, you get a little pumped up, you know? So yeah, um, absolutely. Well, I that. mean, yeah, the, the live band that I have seen more than any other is Slayer. Okay. Now, you know, lyrically, you know, just to like digging people up and serial killers and all that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, there's, there's, there are the occasional song where there's, there's something to be said, but mostly the, 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 the lyrics are just a backdrop to the music, you know, and, and it's, and it's, and it's going to be nasty and hard because the music is nasty and hard, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not really saying anything, but it works perfectly. Yeah. yeah it's reinforcing yeah. the providing the glue for the mood and the, and the attitude. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's emphasizing the intensity and, and, and that's great. But, you know, I'm a huge fan of, you know, Marillion. I'm a huge fan of Descendants who, who, who you know, write beautiful, sim- beautiful, simple lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm always quoting Carl Alvarez, Descendants bass player, who, uh, who, who just says, like, we, we write about, uh, we don't write about how you think, we write about how we feel. And it's like, wow, he just put in one sentence what I've been trying to put into a sentence for years. Yeah, I saw that just made me think of I think I I saw like a a viral clip of Victor Wooten, the bass player. Um, He's a I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's he's a very good bass player. He's, you know, on like the Mount Rushmore of living bass players. He's he's insane. Um, And he he does a lot of clinics and a lot of like a lot of like. you know, educational things. Yeah. And he, he was quoting Maya. I think he was quoting Maya Angelou. And he said, when you die, people aren't going to remember the things you said. They're going to remember the way you made them feel. And that music is the same way. It's like, no one's going to care if you're playing 12 notes in a bar. If you, you can play three, like it's, it's going to be about the feeling you made them feel when you played or when you perform. And I thought that was really interesting. And it is, I mean, it's Maya Angelou. She's like, you know, yeah. thinker of the thinker, you know, one of the all time thinkers. So it was just like, oh, yeah, that's such like a good way to put it. Like, yeah, it is all it's really about how how you make people feel rather than, you know, the X's and O's lined up perfectly. You did a great job. You know, that's that's important. But the the feeling is the goal. Well, yeah, exactly. It's and it's yeah, songwriting, especially especially in like in, in a metal, which is, you know, very much my genre. Um, uh they, you know, sometimes people can get hooked, hook, you know, they can get um, hung up on technicality and, and, and ability. And it's like, look, it's, it's, it's not how many riffs there are in the song. It's how good is the song? It's, you know, people's ability to play is not worth anything if there isn't a good song to play. All mm-hmm. music is about songwriting. Yeah. That's, that's it. Whether it's pop, whether it's high art, whether it doesn't matter doesn't matter it's just about songwriting yeah i i i 100 agree i mean i not to toot our own horn but i think that's a perfect like we're a perfect example like as far as like individual players go there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people that could play us under the table 
you know, yeah. and ever, on, on every instrument, you know, like we, we're, we're proficient, we're adequate, you know, we, but it's really about the three of us and the sounds we make together. That's the only thing that makes us at all unique. And, yeah. uh, you know, like if I was to try to show up at a guitar center guitar off, I I'd be laughed out of the room, you know, like there, there's people that are going to show up. 12 year olds are going to show up and they're going to shred me under the table. You know, 60 year old investment bankers are going to show up and they're going to shred me under the table, you know? Um, And, you know, technicality is important, but yeah, like you said, it is 100% about the way you come together as a group and make people feel with the sounds you make. And, and what you said there as well is, is one thing that I love about, about a band, um, which is, which is um, it's a bunch of musicians who might not stand out together, but when they come together, they are greater than the sum of their parts. You know, yeah. and that, and, and, you know, to use the reference of Slayer and yourselves, it's like, you know, uh, you said it yourself, a, a bunch of musicians that individually wouldn't get an audition for certain bands, but when together it's that unique chemistry creates something that is, you know, greater than the sum of its parts. And that's, that's some, that's always something to strive for. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, I think the idea of, of just jamming and making noise with your friends is, I don't know if it, when I see encounter young people, like get it, you know, really into music at a young age, it's like find friends that are into music and then make noise together. And like, that's the most valuable thing you can do. You know, the bedroom tapes are fun, but like it's really when you get in a group of people that sort of magic starts to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and I, I also think it's like that, that, you know, I hate the word fans, but to use, to use that word, um, I think uh, what fans forget sometimes and bands are guilty of doing this as well. What fans forget sometimes is that bands are just a bunch of music nerds. That's all. <laughs> it's like, you're a fan. Well, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a fan too. I'm just like a bigger fan. It's like listening wasn't enough. I had to kind of, I had to go make some as well. So I'm just a bigger nerd than you. That's all, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, you know, it's, um, I don't know. I know for me, like, it's really all I've ever really been passionate about or, or sort of like came it always kind of making noise kind of came easily, you know, like, again, like I'm not like a, a proficient guitar virtuoso, but like making, pulling a note out of any instrument has always been something I've been able to do. And I've always been fascinated by just noises, you know, like, I just think they're, I just think noise is so cool. And, you know, I don't know, there was a time where I was kind of into the idea of like um, vibrations, you know, all that you know, that sort of idea, like sound yeah. being an extension of sort of vibrations and, you know, all of the earth is vibrating, all this, you know, all this sort of like magical <laughs> stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. But, it, you know, I don't know. I don't really put much stock into it, but it's just interesting, you know, it's and it's I don't know. Noise is cool. I, I just don't know what else to say. It's like it's yeah, really no, fun. No, but I, I, I absolutely get that. And you know what? That's that reminded me when you were talking, that reminded me of uh, for some weird reason. It, re- it reminded me of the scene. And so we're going to cross the borders now again. We're going to bring the two worlds of movies and music together. And that, at Jurassic Park, that scene where there's a plastic cup on the. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. T- you totally yeah. knew what I was going to do. Yeah. yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And, 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 and the water is shaking. And how they did that was that cup is on a surface and underneath the surface was a bass guitar string. And literally it's somebody plucking a bass guitar string 
that makes the water move. Wow, I had no idea. And that's how they did the effect because it's like back in the early 90s. And that's how they did the effect. And it's like, yeah, there it is. It's the foundation. There's that vibration. And and it wasn't a guitar string. It was a bass guitar string. Yeah, (laughs) wow. And it's just like, wow, yeah, that's that is like the whole music vibration feel of the earth. Yeah. To to recreate the feeling of, of a thud in the earth, they used a, a bass guitar string. And it's that's like, yeah, cool. it's all about the vibration, man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh man, look, I've I have talked your ears off for um for a very long time now. Um no, I, I can't thank you enough for this, Sean. It's been um, it's been awesome. It really, really has. Um, yeah, thank you I, for having me. This has been really fun. Oh, good, Matt. Look, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I really am glad, and I am, and I am going to send you the um, uh, the warm down as well. See, like so, I, I'm getting something out of this. I'm learning about stuff. This is great. <laughs> I didn't know about the Jurassic Park bass string. I didn't know about this, uh, the rubber straw and the water bottle and the cool down exercises. Like I think I'm I'm the one making out in this arrangement here. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Well, look, I'll send an invoice over. Um, I take I accept PayPal. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, and, and in fact, can I just have my twenty six dollars for the fucking CD back? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sound, sounds know, great. Maybe, by the way, man. Did you, did you, I'm just curious. Um, yeah. Did you get it through, through stickman.com or, or .eu? Like the stickman, uh, they're, they're based out of Germany. I don't know if it is a result of coming from the U S to UK or Europe to UK. US. Added with the, with, okay. US. I um, went, I went, I bought it directly from either directly from your website or like okay. wherever, wherever that sent me. But yeah, no, it, it came from the States. It's all, okay. it's all, it's all good, man. I've, I mean, it's like, it, it really, uh, you know, there's, that's not the kind of, if I really like an album, then, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the CD because um, as much as I love vinyl and I do love vinyl and I love the way it sounds, but unfortunately it sounds like that for about five plays and then yeah. you play it <laughs> and you hear it and you hear it and you go, that breaks my heart. Yeah. Every, and it still does to this day. It breaks my heart. Um, well, if you do ever change your mind and do want to, they do all come with download codes. And in theory, our st- Stickman, um, the label that are based out of Germany, they do have them. I, I believe it's stickman.com or stickman.eu. Uh, um, and the shipping should be a lot less, but I've heard stuff. I feel like I've heard rumblings with that since Brexit that it's stuff getting tough getting things in and out. Um, and then it gets expensive. It's, so I, I, I can't say for sure. It, it, it does get expensive because when it came from the EU, it, when it used to come from the EU, it was just coming. It was come, we were in Europe. So it was like it was no different. But now because it's because of Brexit coming to the UK, it's effectively you have to pay an import tax on it, um, which I didn't have to. Um, the there is a way of getting around that, and that's basically put, you know, a low value on what is being sent because you have to fill out yeah. customs declaration. So I either... believe that's something that we do, but I don't, yeah, I, I don't know I, if I should be saying this over there. No, 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 you do, no, you don't do that. You don't do no, that. No, we have never, that's... ever done that, ever. No, that no. is immoral, unethical. No, no, yeah. And you definitely didn't do that on the CD I got. Okay. Um, but um, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's the best way to go about it. <laughs> um, if, you've, um, if, you could put your, if you could put your email in chat, I will, I'll email you the, uh, the warm down. I will do that now. I think I know how to do that. I've never awesome. actually. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yeah, and it says, "Look, you can you can message everyone." Actually, look, I'm I'm, I'm you know, thanks everybody. We're gonna go now. Um and um and yeah, um, an email a bit. But um, Sean, thank you very much.
Thank you very much for having me. This has been a pleasure. Um, it's, it's been epic, dude. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. Well, you know what's coming. What a lovely bloke. What a just what a just a lovely, lovely guy. We really did get into it there. And it, and if there are parts of you, if you're just listening to this, um, then it is worth checking the video out because there are parts of that interview. Well, I think you know, obviously, I mentioned it there where. Um, for people just listening, it might get a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, it's really worth watching the video. We had, honestly, we had a great time. I did send him the, I sent him the warm down. Um, and, um, uh, I, I don't know if he's tried it yet, but he, you know, did email me and thank me for it. Um, and, um, just what, what a lovely guy. And, and I can't, I honestly urge you to listen to, um, uh, King Buffalo. The burden of restlessness is just, an awesome, awesome album. It it really is working for me, and um, I don't know. It just it just struck a chord, for want of a better phrase, and as cheesy as that might sound, it just struck a chord with me, both lyrically and musically. Um, as I've mentioned in the interview several times, but uh, it's certainly worth checking out. It's not for everybody. It, it's it is quite proggy. There's quite um, quite long songs on it. But if 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 you if you like kind of like diving in and swimming and really losing yourself. Um, in music, in an album, then it's it's a great one for doing that. And um, yeah, I, I can't speak highly enough, uh, highly enough of the album or of or of Sean himself. And what a what a work ethic! Trying to get three albums out in one year and only managing three albums in in um, in one year and a bit. I mean, yeah, just incredible, incredible. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you didn't, I don't know what more you want from me, frankly, because um, it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, really, really doesn't. Uh, but it just remains for me to thank you all for listening, even you trolls. Um, it's great to know that there are trolls who actually listen to the whole podcast just so they can uh, get in touch and slag it off. Um, or, well, me off, actually. But who, who cares, you know? I'm putting myself out there to be uh, to be shot at. So that's, that's only fair enough. And if it gives some poor, lonely people something to do, if it gives them meaning to their lives, then, hey, who am I to stop that? But once again, thank you very much. Um, I, um, uh, I've got some gigs with Acid Rain this month. We've got a, we've got a tour going. We're finally going to, uh, finally going to tour the, uh, the 2019 album, The Age of Entitlement. Fucking hell, that's been a while. I wonder why it's been delayed, the tour. Hmm, maybe something happened somewhere. Anyway, look, thank you very much for listening. You are the bollocking army. You are bollockers. You are the people who are the army and here is something i'd like you to do if you come into an acid rain show or any show just remember shout bollocks someone shout someone shouts bollocks back and then you both shout talking bollocks okay now this is something if you haven't you know if you're new to the podcast or i haven't mentioned it before this is something we used to do when there were live gigs so it's been a while and basically if you're at a gig you just just shout out bollocks right and some if there's another bollocker another listener in the building they'll shout bollocks back and then you both leave it a couple of beats and you go talking bollocks together and then you know you meet up in the bar afterwards you have a couple of drinks or you you know whatever you want to do and and you you know friends for life basically that's all i'm saying so thank you very much for listening Uh, if you haven't subscribed subscribe press the subscribe button wherever you are come along check out patreon that would be really cool there's lots of really cool stuff there and if you don't want to that's also also fine i mean it's not a problem, okay? 
I mean, it means that we're, you know, we're never actually going to be friends um, because you're not giving me money. Um, you know, the minute you're giving me money, oh, you're a friend then. Oh, yeah. As I always say, we'll talk for food. Anyway, I'm gibbering and I'm jabbering. Hope you've enjoyed the podcast. I've enjoyed doing it. This is me, your host, Howard H. Smith, saying wherever you are in the world, take care and I will speak to you next time. Come, come, come.